0: Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. As always, my name's Justin. I'm your host. This week we have another solo episode. I know last week I promised you all that uh, I'd be recording an episode, kind of highlighting what I've learned from hosting this podcast. But it turns out that May 28th on Sunday, I ran my first ever marathon, and while I was running, I started thinking up some ideas and some things that I wanted to talk about during this podcast. So what I did was um, I wrote a uh, newsletter which will come out on the same day as the podcast. And if you haven't subscribed, uh, you can find the link on social, on all my socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, to subscribe to the newsletter. For this sole episode, the newsletter is uh, just basically a written version of what I'm going to be talking about today. So if you don't like to read, you can listen to the podcast. If you don't like the sound of my voice, you can read the newsletter. All right, let's get into it. Let's start off with why I wanted to run a marathon. I did not sign up to run this marathon with the mindset of, running a race with an amazing time, what I wanted to do was very much inspired by the likes of people like David Goggins, people that overcame obstacles that they themselves thought were very difficult and others maybe thought were a little absurd or a little uh, silly to even attempt. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to train my body as little as possible in order to run a marathon when the, the common thought is that you need to train for four plus months. So the recommended training is four plus months of training, you know, putting hundreds of kilometers on your legs. And I knew if I did all the preparation, if I did all that, yes, I could run a marathon. But what I wanted was to challenge myself Is something that even I was like, I don't know if this is uh, doable with the the amount of training that I'm going to do. So what I did was I ran ran slash walked for I think it was seven Seven times I did between five to 10 kilometers each run, let's say. And uh, and then I did one long run slash walk of 20 kilometers. So very minimal training. Let's set the scene. So marathon day, I show up to the race. I didn't want any distractions, no phone, no watch, no gadgets. Um, I ran without a shirt because I didn't want my nipples to chafe. I had a, a, a visual of Andy from the office with his bleeding nipples and the tape around them. So I just I didn't know anything about marathon running. I didn't really research anything. So I just knew I didn't want bloody nipples. So I ran without a shirt. I wasn't nervous for the race for some odd reason. I guess I knew it was it's four hours. Like there's not really much to to do to prepare mentally other than just show up. And so the race begins. And I'm gonna split this race up into I think I wrote four or five different phases. So, phase one is what I call the honeymoon phase. And during the honeymoon phase, things are nice. I was observing the signs, looking at all the silly signs. People had things that said, uh, take your time, Olivia, or some girl's name. Take your time, Olivia. We'll be shopping for the next three hours. My all-time favorite was Payne. Pain. uh, is just French for bread. I really like that one. Yeah, so far I was smiling, enjoying, laughing, giving people high fives, and that lasted for 18 to 20 kilometers. And so what I learned about phase number one is that since I was going into this marathon to suffer, to push my mind and to feel the pain, I was able to fully enjoy the first 20 kilometers, but I knew that, that comfort wasn't gonna last forever, and I also knew that that's not what I signed up for. I didn't want the whole race to be smooth and easy in it. Of course, it wasn't going to be because I wasn't adequately prepared and I'm not that good of a runner. But that's not what I was going in it for. I wanted the adversity. Phase number one made me realize that adversity is part of life. It's necessary. You can choose to embrace it or you can choose to fear it. One of my favorite quotes is, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. So sometimes, so maybe it's not so crazy after all to wish for a rough sea. Phase number two, I call the wall. Yep, I hit the wall already. There's nothing between the honeymoon phase and this wall phase. And I'm assuming I was around kilometer 24 when this happened, and my legs just started cramping up, particularly my quads. They were getting sore, progressively more sore, but at, at one point, they just cramped up completely. And um, I found myself on all fours. I was in substantial pain, I, and my mind went into survival mode. The only thing I was thinking about was uh, how do I move my legs so that they don't completely lock up and cramp? How do I get a slight stretch in my quad so it starts to loosen up so I can get up? And so that's what I did. I slowly moved my legs, got up, started walking and then slowly started jogging like an old man without a stroller. From this moment on, my Focus narrowed. It was no longer about my time. Oh, up until this point, by the way, I was running. I was on pace for a 340 marathon. Um, although that seems impressive, you'll know that the last half of my race was anything but impressive. At this point, I'm in pain. That's the only thing I can think about. And I just wanted to make it to the next water station because I wanted to hydrate. I knew, I knew I wasn't properly nourished or hydrated. So I wanted to get to that next station to really see if I could hydrate my way back to being able to run. So I walked, ran stumbled my way to the next water station. When I made it there, people could see that I was in pain. People started uh, trying to motivate me by name. So we all, all the runners had their names on their, on their bib numbers. And from this point on, I noticed that my name was being called more than all the other runners around me. And that was because people could see that I needed that extra motivation or that extra support. So people would say, come on, Justin, you could do it. Looking strong, Justin. And I knew in my head that I was not looking strong. It was quite the opposite. So thank you to all those people that supported me and that tried to uh, encourage me. It it really did help. So once I made it to that water station, uh, I leaned over on this lady and she fed me. She gave me about six waters and three electrolyte, six water cups and three electrolyte cups. I stayed there for as long as I could. And then once I felt like I uh, had regained some strength, I kept going. And what happened was what I learned from hitting the wall is that it's okay to take a break when you need it. When I did take that break at the water station, I wanted to stay there much, much longer. So also, it's okay to take a break, but beware because taking too long a break can easily derail you from your goals. Comfort consistently tries to pull us away from what we want to accomplish. You'll notice a common thread throughout this podcast is the, the give and take between comfort and growth. It's very, very difficult to grow when you are in a comfortable environment which is why i have such an admiration for adversity phase number three i will call the grind this part of the race sucked uh basically i was just in constant pain the the cramping from my quads would alternate between cramping uh, quads cramping calves i was tired i was hurting and all i wanted to do was make it to the next water station so they had water stations every three kilometers and i did i i started doing something that i did i wasn't aware i was doing but This is what we learn in teacher's college is something called chunking. And chunking is essentially when you have a big goal, it seems overwhelming. Then you break it down and take it in smaller chunks. Once I hit the wall, the next like half hour, I thought I had ran another five to eight kilometers or whatnot. I thought I was doing good. And then I looked up and noticed that since hitting the wall, I had ran maybe two or three kilometers. I really was not even as close to to making the progress that I thought I was making in my head. So I was a little devastated And what happened is my my mind just went, okay. we're not focusing on running the marathon now. We're just focusing to get to the next water station because it it was it was demoralizing to think I still had that long to go with the amount of pain and cramping that I was going through. So, yeah, I couldn't really think of completing the marathon. All I could think of was like, dude, get to the next water station and hydrate and take a little break, because that was uh, that was as good as my life was going to get during that marathon was that couple minute break at the water stations. And uh, during this grind period, my thoughts were profound. Well, they felt really profound while I was running. And then after the race, I told my girlfriend of the quotes and the thoughts I was having during this stage of the race. And she kind of went, huh, and seemed very unimpressed with how (laughs) meaningful it was. So the, the things that resonated with me the most during this stage of the race was so simple. It it was take it one step at a time and just keep it keep moving forward. I just had that playing on repeat in my head and it, it felt so meaningful and deep. And um, I know it just sounds so surface level now, but I guess when you're suffering, things take on a different meaning. And that's uh, phase four is the final stretch. So f- this is when I kind of uh, broke free from the trance of the pain and realized that I had five kilometers left to go, that I was actually going to complete this race. As long as I didn't severely pull anything, I I was going to finish. And I remember this, this one very kind guy running up next to me and starting to chat with me and saying like, yeah, you know, we almost did it. And I couldn't even muster up the strength to, you know, when you're around people, you want to match their energy a little bit or show them that you're enthused. I couldn't even muster it up. I just say, oh yeah, almost. And then I just continued running and kind of ignored him. And so that's when I kind of realized that I was in a world of pain compared to uh, a lot of the people around me. I'm sure they were definitely facing adversity, but the fact that uh, as we approached the, the finish line, people would pick up the pace or put their arms in the air and smile and cheer um, were indicative to me that, you know, I, I was not going through the same experience as they were because as I was approaching the finish line, I had walked a little bit as I could see the finish line was coming and I didn't want to walk while there was hundreds of people cheering. So I was walking a little bit to regain it to, to to make sure my legs were good. And then I slowly jogged across the finish line, wincing in pain because I knew that. So here's the deal. There's a whole bunch of people cheering and I knew that it would give me extra energy and it did. But what I, did not want was to try to run a little bit faster because of that energy, because I could literally feel my muscles. I could feel that if I would have tried to exert myself a little bit more, I would have pulled something. And I knew that I was, uh, I was in trouble. So I kept my very slow pace up. I made it across the finish line. And let me tell you, the pain does not stop once you cross the finish line. Um, I was in pretty substantial pain for the next like two, three days. But that's what I had asked for. What I think is that happiness is not really a goal to set for ourselves because happiness comes and goes. We know that even the the people with the most comfortable lives in the world are not always happy. In fact, sometimes they're more miserable than everyone else. So happiness is a feeling, it's not a goal. And for me in this marathon was the honeymoon phase. But what happens during the honeymoon phase was that I was comfortable, yes, I was happy, but that didn't bring any meaning to the race. And that's not what I'm most proud of overcoming. That's not what I'm gonna talk about for the rest of my life when it comes to the marathon. I'm not going to talk about how easy the first 15 was. I'm going to talk about the last 15, how tough that was to overcome. And that's what builds character. And that's what builds confidence. And that's what allows us to realize that we can overcome more than we ever thought possible. With that being said, that's it for this episode. Um, Next week, I promise I will be recording another soul episode about what I've learned from hosting the podcast. I think I've been able to extrapolate one main lesson from all the episodes. It's been a little tough to try and do that, which is why I kind of threw this episode in the middle. But with that being said, after that, guys... If you know any guests that have an interesting story, if you have an interesting story, I want to showcase your story. I want to have you on the podcast. If you're willing to come on the podcast, let me know. Summer is coming up, so we'll be able to record outside, so we should have some nice settings. And uh, yeah, I, I just want this podcast to be an opportunity for people to come on and talk about life and share what they've learned. So I'll talk to you next week.